So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. <coughs> Hello man fans, Ollie Man here, sounding like death warmed up, uh, feeling a little bit like that as well, uh, but still, uh, we don't let a cold get in the way of uh, podcasting, do we? That's not how we won the war. Uh, before we get going though, I must start with an apology. Uh, Aaron sent me a missive via facebook.com slash Man. He says, Ollie, last week... Uh, when you read out Chris from County Durham's email about being a modern man country member, the correct response should have been, yes, I remember. Uh, Aaron, I feel like such a dick. I can't believe uh, that I missed a Tuesday-related pun. Uh, Chris, I can only apologise. Brian has got in touch on Twitter as well, at The Modern Man. He says, another great episode, Ollie, but do you think there should be a headphone warning before we go down the foxhole? In fairness, last week's sex section was particularly mucky uh, in every sense of the word uh, but I do think you can basically take it as read that whenever I'm doing the sex section with Alex Fox uh, it's probably best you're not listening out of some speakers in the office or uh, in the car with your family just take that as read uh, in fact talking about cars this week's foxhole was recorded in a Ford Mondeo. A brilliant last-minute solution by producer Matt when our usual recording venue fell through at the last minute. Uh, He got out his Zipcar app and found a car on the street in the centre of town, rented it for an hour for £6.50. Ingenious. Uh, And it sounds really good on mic. It sounds like we're in a studio, Uh, apart from the fact you can hear a siren in the background if you listen very, very carefully. Uh, Right, just before we get going, I want to thank from the bottom of my beer glass our beer donors of the week. Rafe, John, Ollie, Martha, Michael, Mario, Hayden, Dan, Cheney, Deborah, Richard, Joe, Wim, Scott, Brian and Andrew. You are all substantially better people than everyone else listening. Uh, This week you're going to learn why I am definitely not the Wolf of Wall Street by any means. Uh, You're going to learn how to kill four hours with Britney Spears uh, and how antidepressants can function as a sex extender. Let's do it. On this week's Modern Man. GPS for your V and your P. Alex Fox is at the wheel to help you navigate your love life. The weird thing is actually you don't get to meet the actors but then suddenly you're sort of writhing around on top of them. And from Downton to Bond to 24... It's the confessions of an extra. But first, it is time for the zeitgeist. Ollie Peart is with me. Hello, Ollie. What is making you hot this week? Well, I think we should kick off with Bucks. Okay, yeah. So last week, for those of you who didn't hear it, Ollie suggested to me this uh, gamified stock market trading app get your phone out right basically what happened is on day one i tried it i put 50 quid in and i chose hsbc because i'd heard of them (laughs) and it went up zero percent how can it go up zero wait wait hang on in all all of the however many days we haven't seen each other you invested in one stock no no. i'm telling you day one oh okay we're going for a daily day two the wall street 30 yes yeah so that's like the 30 top earners on the New York Stock Exchange. That's right, yeah. And then I just got a bit bored of it because what have I earned? (laughs) Go on. Minus £2.20. I'm currently at 47.87 from my 50 quid. That's just not fun. Well, 
You promised me a no, roller coaster. No, listen, listen. So you, you, you will get a roller coaster. What happened to me this week, right? So literally when I got up this morning, I was up <laughs> 25 quid. I invested in oil to go down, which it has massively because there's a huge oil glut at the moment. Uh-huh. I made I made 15 quid on that deal. Anyway, I made a few moves just before coming here on the train, and I am now £1.97 up. I have lost oh, God. almost 23 quid in a matter of hours. Here's my problem with it. If you do really, really, really well, yeah. then you come away with the earnings of a minimum wage job for the amount of time you've put in. That's not fun. No, I haven't put in that much time. I will, you make, are my, looking I will make my money back. I will make it back. How much have you put in? I put 250 quid in. <laughs> no, hang on, hang on. But I'm still up. I'm still £1.87 up. What other trends would you like to talk about this week, Ollie? Black Friday. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Well, no, not okay in my book. We're in Britain. Black Friday is the day after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Why is everyone doing it in Britain? It doesn't even make any sense. If we're going to have a cultural exchange, then give them the fucking Boxing Day sale. I'm glad you've had a rant, because I agree with you. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm Go on, you rant. I don't want to take your rant away well, from no, you. Well, no, no, no. It's, it's not that I want to... I don't actually want to rant about it. I want to I pick out an example of a company that I think have done something really brilliant. Really, is is really this good. so that you can inflate them so that you can earn money through bucks? No, then... BP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. BP are excellent, and Shell, yeah. and Unilever, <laughs> and Kraft, and all those big companies. Yeah. No, Cards Against Humanity. Have you ever heard of this? Cards Against Humanity? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. It's a card game. And the way you play it, it's really simple. You get two boxes, mm-hmm. and one of them's like a, the start of a sentence. Almost like a question, but not always a question. So it'd be like, I love dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then all the opponents around the table have other cards. Now, the other cards say, normally, very offensive things, like cock, or there's a really bad one. People will know this that have played the game because it's quite a popular game. There's, there's one that references Jay Goody. I'm not going to go into the detail of it. I will tell you off the microphone because it is truly horrendous. It's a bad taste sentence construction game. Yes. So last year on Black Friday, what they did is they sold boxes of bullshit, actual bull feces. Oh, yeah. And they made lots and lots of money. And over the years, they've raised four million US dollars for charity. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that there's a redeeming word somewhere in this sentence. This Black Friday, they have sold seventy-one and a half thousand dollars worth of nothing huh. for five dollars a pop. Huh. So they closed their web store, yeah. and they said, "For five dollars, you'll get nothing." And do you know what they're doing with the money? Please tell me they're not burning it in Brooklyn. They are not giving it to charity. They are keeping it. They've said, no, we're going to keep it. And they're spending it on all kinds of weird stuff. So, like, one guy's getting laser eye surgery. This other girl's bought, like, a $3,000 dildo. But it's this anti-Black the Friday. The people who run the company? Yeah, they work there. Like, an intern or whatever. They've been given all this money. Oh, just it's so New York hipster, though, isn't it? This whole story is New York hipster. Well, hang on. It was not... better when they were giving the money to charity. Well, hang on. Yeah, yeah. I've just peeled off a bit of my shoe whilst we were talking. Now, I can tell you're obviously not interested, then, about these cards. <laughs> right. Do you not oh, think yeah, that's sorry. good? What? Black Friday's a waste of time, and I wish we didn't have it. And I like most American imports. I'm wearing Converse shoes now that I've just peeled apart, but I still think, on balance, we'd be better off without it. I just quite like they did an anti-Black Friday. What else have you got? Right. Amazon Prime Air. Is this the stupid thing they're doing with drones? Yeah. Okay. Now, I'm really interested you brought this up because, talking about people selling big boxes of bullshit, (laughs) Amazon pretending that they're going to deliver stuff by drones is a massive box of bullshit. But... I'm guessing that you, people who don't know, you uh, report on drones. and uh, I did. You, I don't anymore. You are part of the industry. You're part of the problem, Ollie Pitt. You're going to tell me that this is something that is going to happen and it's going to be great. No, all I'm going to say is that it seems like 
Amazon want us to start taking them really seriously. So on Friday, I must say that on Friday they launched a video featuring none other yeah. than Jeremy Clarkson, their big star. Biggest star. Yes, arguably their biggest star. Or certainly Jeffrey Tambor in drag probably isn't quite right to sell drones. True. But he explains what Amazon are trying to do. And it, what, what the video, it basically, this little girl's got some football boots. I'm not going to go into the whole detail. But the dog's chewed up one of her football boots. Uh-huh. So the bloke, is da- her dad's like, oh, God, I better order some stuff, uh, some more football boots. And the our whole premise is, is that you can get it within 30 minutes of ordering. So is that really what they're saying that's they're going to promise? Yeah. It's such bullshit, Ollie. Well, hang on. It's they, never going to listen, happen. This new drone, right, that they've they've designed has a 15-mile radius, yeah. which is significant compared right. to what it used to be. How close do you live to a Milton Keynes warehouse, Ollie Pitt? Well, no, but Reading. But in, like, major hubs, so like, like London or whatever, it's never going to happen. It's London, never going to happen. It? It's never going to happen. Imagine you're walking down the street in London and a drone takes off someone's wig. What's that? Oh, it's just someone delivering some football boots to the guy in number 15. <laughs> or arm. That'd be even worse. Exactly. And they, uh, they, this I don't know is, why I said is, wig. But this is the problem that they face. My comic imagination at play. Yeah, wig falling off because of a drone would be a hilarious thing to watch. But that's the thing that's standing in their way anyway, is the, is the law and the regulations. It's really difficult to fly drones anyway, let alone ones. So these ones, they, they claim they've got sense and avoid. Then you put a... Amazon A in your garden on the ground, Ugh. and it can spot that. But what if you, I don't know if it spots your neighbours one. What if your neighbours did at the same time? And then it, it lands, drops off the little package, it like poos it out. It's like, and then it flies off. Ta-da! Great. But they seem to be really pushing and saying this is a reality. This will happen. Yes, but it won't. What it is all about, right? Is it's about Amazon saying. Hmm. Amazon Prime is the service where if you sign up, you get your stuff quicker than if you sign up to any of our competitors. That's it. It's an advertising thing. It's a PR message, isn't it? Say, look, we're investing in trying to get your stuff to you as quickly as possible. And here's a really dramatic way we can show you on the internet. You're looking at me with the scales falling from your eyes, Ollie. I'm sorry if I'm destroying your world here. They've had me. Yeah, I think they have, yeah. What else is flying into our hot list of hotness like a drone? My final trend is colds. (laughs) They are popular at the moment. Yeah, everyone's got one. It's that time of year, isn't it? Yeah, but I feel bang on trend right now because I've got one too. Do you believe in seasonal affected disorder or whatever it's called? Yeah. Do you think that's a real thing? I do. I think most people get a little bit down mm. this time of year, particularly when you know when the light draws in and whatnot. I mean, it gets to me cold and dark and horrible. But do you feel like that more acutely now or do you feel like that more acutely in like January, February? Because I think January is just the absolute Satan's tits. January is horrific. Terrible. And if, and if I There's can, nothing redeeming about it. No, I try to go away in, Sam, in January yeah, if great. I can. If I was a millionaire, I would be like, right, I'm That's not, what me I'm, too. would never be in this country in January. But I'd be in this country for the build-up to Christmas because it's quite festive. I don't mind, and I know that really all the sort of browns and greens we're seeing everywhere is death and decay, mm. but it's quite beautiful, isn't it? Maybe that's a, it, it, like this is a really terrible time to have a festival like Christmas. You, you know, you're like, yeah, oh, this is great. Lights, 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 lights. And then yeah. all of a sudden afterwards, it's like, they're off. Uh, and, then it's just, and then it's just <laughs> shit for months afterwards. But but you see, if Alan Titchmarsh was here, and he wanted to be, but I said, Alan, there's only room for people called Ollie in this part of the show. Uh, he'd say, in January, things are beginning to grow and live again. You know, it's rebirth. Full of shit. It doesn't feel like that, does no, it? It just he, feels dark and depressing. He's just talking as a horticulturalist. He doesn't know. He, he doesn't know what it's like in the real world. Uh, if you have just an idea for a trend that uh, Ollie could talk about on the show next week, then uh, do tweet him. Yes, at Ollie E P O W L I E P. Thanks, Ollie. Bye. This show is free to download, but it is not free to produce. We're all doing this currently for nothing. 
If you're enjoying the show and you would like to buy us a beer to thank us, just head to modernman.co.uk and click beer money. The average cost of a pint of beer in Britain is £3.31, about five US dollars. Using my secure website, you can choose to buy us a beer once or more regularly. If you value independent podcasts like this one and you can afford it, then why not sign up to buy us just one beer a month in return for this magnificent show? Uh, And if we ever meet, the next one's on me. Head to modernman.co.uk and click Beer Money. Thanks. Now, if you haven't got a full-time job, uh, if, for example, you're a student or you're retired or you're a stay-at-home parent uh, and you want to get some money coming in, you may have considered being an extra. Uh, After all, it seems glamorous, there's lots of great food, and you can earn hundreds of pounds a day just basically for standing around in the background whilst Tom Cruise dangles off a bus in front of you. Uh, It doesn't seem that hard. Uh, But is it? How should you behave on set. One man who's been there, done that, is Dr. Che Allen, nowadays an art historian, uh, but until very recently subsidising his PhD by standing around in the background on shows like 24 and Downton Abbey and the James Bond movie Skyfall, uh, and also a high-profile project coming out next year that he wasn't supposed to tell us about, so we've had to beep it out. So my first job was on a film called Dark Shadows, Tim Burton. The Tim Burton film. I love yeah. that film. Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. I really love that film. It was, it was Who so were much you fun. in that? I was um, a vigilante. You know, when Johnny Depp comes out of the house and everyone's trying to Are you one him. of the braying mob? Yeah. <laughs> we did that in the middle of the night in a forest near um, Pinewood Studios. And um, what a, So your very, very first extra job, you're standing there with Tim Burton, Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. So initially it started out as about, I don't know, 50 of us. Us, Eva Green, Johnny Depp, Tim Burton, in the middle of the night, it was just it just felt so much fun. And what I really loved about that was that even though Tim Burton was, you know, a six-year-old director, everyone's extremely serious, there's a lot of money going into it, it still felt like everyone was just having fun. I really admire that in the production team. I mean, the, yeah. the, the cliche is that extras get treated like shit quite a lot. In that production, we really didn't. I mean, the person who fitted me for a costume, Colleen, I forget her name but um, she won oh, an Oscar. That's you taking off the preferential. <laughs> yeah she's an Oscar winning wardrobe designer. She was fitting out for my costume just me and her and, and it, it was kind of weird being introduced to you know this Hollywood world in uh, Surrey. Yeah. Um, at about two in the morning we've been shooting the scene and there were about 10 of us uh, doing a scene with Johnny Depp and Tim Burton was there directing each one of us personally, and it was that—that that was really incredible. And so the thing is, people say you don't need to be an actor to be an extra. You know, it's somewhere mm-hmm. in between being a model and being an actor, and also basically just being a normal person. You need to project mm. normality. Yeah. But when you're doing that, when you're playing a braying member of a mob, mm-hmm. and you've got a Hollywood director telling you what to do, you do kind of need to act, don't you? You need to express an emotion. Sort of. I mean, the shot that we were being directed um, is basically our backs uh, running towards the house (laughs) and then we bundle Johnny Depp the the weird thing is actually you don't get to meet the actors but then suddenly you're sort of writhing around on top of them and why is that because uh, some people will be surprised that if you spend 12 hours on set with anyone you don't get a chance to speak to them why is there that clear rift between even the C-list and the extras I think it's basically because the extras as you say aren't 
talented really in any in any sense within the context of a film set sure but the sandwich guy isn't talented in the sense of being a performer but i bet johnny depp speaks to him like the convention is the stars don't speak to the extras yeah absolutely do you don't you don't find that a snub um yeah no i think it, i think it's ridiculous i think um it's something that is unnecessary i mean it's a bit like um an army in the sense that things are so regimented and and timed to precision and i think the segregation between extras and the principal actors is just part of that hierarchy. Mm. I, I don't think it's especially essential, but it kind of reinforces the rest of the hierarchy that's in place. And and actually, I mean, there were moments when, you know, you thought, well, this is the last job I do because you are treated a bit like shit and I don't really want to spend my Sunday this way. But then, you know, you go to another shoot like I was doing Alice in Wonderland last year. And that was amazing. It was like for, you know, a week we're filming this scene and it was like we're on, you know, at a wedding or something with a big marquee and lots of food and lovely grounds. And So this is the thing, isn't it? So when people say uh, as an extra, you spend a lot of time waiting around, you know, you've got to spend perhaps 10 or 12 hours standing around in the cold outside. In a way, whether or not that's pleasurable can depend on exactly what the scene is. If you're supposed to be at a big festification, it does feel a bit like you're at someone else's wedding rather than yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, all the girls are in very lovely outfits. And at the time, I was I was finishing off my PhD, and so you know, I had twelve hours a day where I could just write. So yeah, let's touch on that. I mean, generally speaking, what kind of people choose to be extras? There are a lot of retired people. A lot of, um, I guess, single mums or maybe just mums. What there are less of, as you'd expect, are males in late 20s, sort of early to late 30s. By the time you get into maybe early 50s, then you start to get a lot of people wanting to be extras that are men. And so it's that part-time factor. It's the fact that people have jobs. Yeah, exactly. It's the fact that most men of that age have full-time jobs. Are there a lot of frustrated actors? There are a lot of aspirational actors. There are a lot of people who choose to be extras because they think they're being actors. And that that's quite hard to deal with, I guess, socially, because they're quite delusional. What is the most kind of commitment you've had to give to a part? Because, you know, a, a lot of extra work, obviously, you get offered the day before. Can you come along? Yes, I can. You're there. You're in it. Other things, it seems, you know, there's a wardrobe fitting. They take photos. It's a long process. It's a commitment. I had two big commitments last year. One was for which comes out in 2016. And I was filming that for three months. Three months? Yeah. Who are you playing? A Belgian soldier. <laughs> wow. So I get killed in the first, basically, five minutes of the film. That was brilliant, actually, because um, for a month, we were in combat training. Combat training? Yeah. To be an, to be an extra, just to pretend to be a Belgian yeah. soldier? Well, because it's, it's a big battle scene. We had to do a lot of fighting in that scene. Um, a lot of gunfire as well. Um, so we're holding guns. and That was fantastic. You know, we, we were given talks by experts in colonial Africa. So all of this just so that when the camera happens to brush past you, you look like a real soldier, basically. Yeah. And What's it like when you see yourself on the screen? Because I I think probably out of all of your roles, the the most noticeable one is Skyfall. You are there in the Mm -hmm. background whenever Bond is at MI6. I guess the fun thing in, in that is not knowing when you'll appear. Yeah. Because, you know, obviously you don't get to see the rushes. (laughs) there's an of surprise in that you'll be seen at all that we were filming for quite some time and there's uh, there was a very detailed shot of me turning around to the camera sam mendes was telling me to you know not be so blue still when i 
Um, Blue steel. Yeah. So I was turning around <laughs> to the camera and I was sort of flicking my head a bit too much. Yeah, well, you see, no, that's um, what I'm saying about acting, though. Mm. Like, surely, actually, really, if there wasn't this snobbishness amongst the acting profession about doing extra work, you'd be a better extra if you'd had some training. Yeah. And actually, often you're put on the spot. I mean, a friend of mine was in the bar scene in Inception. Christopher Nolan just sort of put her on the bar. Everyone else was an actor. And she was suddenly meant to get into the role that she hadn't been briefed on before. Mm. You do get instances like that. And coming back to the commitments, last year I, was also, I also had to grow a beard for Macbeth. And so that beard took me three months to grow. <laughs> and I was used for about a week. Yeah. And then I had to turn everything else down that didn't involve beards, such as Downton Abbey. Um, really? That's yeah. a difficult decision, isn't it? It is, yeah. Because you... Downton Abbey was probably... I got more per day for Downton Abbey than I got for like three days on Macbeth. What's the money like, though? It's pretty good, isn't it, for basically standing around all day dressed or something? It can be amazing. For Downton Abbey, I was getting 250 to £300 pounds a day. For 24, I was getting about £300 pounds a day. Um, sometimes you pay, like, 90 quid a day. I think the most glamorous credit on your CV is probably starring in the Britney Spears video, Criminal. I say starring advisedly, because although you're only in the opening sort of five or six seconds, mm. the opening five or six seconds of that video is literally Britney Spears mm-hmm. and you. Set the scene for us. It's a party, right? Yeah, so it's a swanky party. Yeah. I'm the British host of the party, so therefore I'm evil. Yes, um, because... Mm, why would you... the Hollywood narrative. Exactly, yeah. So this is the video where she's got an English boyfriend. She's got an English so you know boyfriend, he's, he's obviously news. a cock. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and then she gets saved by an American. Yeah. And my wife was actually a member of the English National Ballet in real life. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. And the guy who is Britney's boyfriend was obviously, you know, a model. He was a Dior model. Yeah. So in that set of four it was quite an odd environment to be in and and so for that opening shot of that video which is, is britney spears drinking from a champagne flute you standing in the background chatting to her presumably mm-hmm. it was you and britney for mm-hmm. hours whilst they were filming it was that. yeah i was with her for about four hours and um, you talked to britney spears about it for four hours when <laughs> when the extras aren't supposed to talk to the stars well you know we we had um fairly awkward conversation about you know her shoes and how uncomfortable they were and guarded small talk maybe i guess is the right way of putting it you don't know what you're going to do until you arrive and it just so happened that I was picked to be Britney's interlocutor in that scene by the director that day. And so then, you know, seeing her across the room when she was looking at us, preparing for the role, that was kind of odd. Yeah, it was just... It was was very... there an opportunity for you to be Britney's friend that you passed up that day? Probably. I mean, on these very, very close sets, I mean, you can imagine it was highly secret until the last minute. So yeah. it, it was given a code name. I worked it out because she was in all the papers coming across to the UK. They didn't say that she was filming a video. Mm. But when they started becoming really ed- really cagey about who it was I was going to be working with, um, then I twigged. But the weird thing is, you, you just mentioned, you know, the, the guy who's playing her boyfriend in the video is a Dior model. Now, mm. I bet he wasn't on 300 quid for the day, was he? No. So, you know, did you feel a little bit well, like no, you'd be I, taken I, advantage I, of there? Not at all, because... I'd have done that for free. <laughs> <laughs> so it's amazing that you get paid to, you know, hang around with Britney Spears. It was weird because I was used to promote the single. So it was me and her with the um, subheading Tainted Heart. I was on her Twitter feed for a day, you know, and she's got like 10 million followers or something, That's more really than Obama. And so, yeah, that, that was really odd. I mean, she tweeted the image of both of us saying you know, he's a bad boy with a changed his heart and um for a day i think quite a lot of people thought i was actually her boyfriend but when i knew i was going to be in this video i thought that i might have to like get my kit off and gyrate around 
Now, have you been asked that before? Have you been asked to take your clothes off? Because yeah. some people listening to this think, well, I'd like to be an extra, but, you know, I don't mind taking my shirt off, but I don't want to show my bum or whatever. Do you get any choice about that when you're yes, being... Yes, you definitely do. I was asked last year to um, have simulated sex with um, a lady in a film that's coming out called, um, well, it's The Woman in Red. Uh-huh. And I play the guy called Lord Chumley. <laughs> that's a brilliant, brilliant name and, for an extra part. Yeah, and so... You... Who was Lord Chumley knocking in the scene? Well... The um this the lady in red yeah the wow red. yeah that's a good opportunity yeah and so it's the Britney all over lead, again lead actress yeah, yeah but I'd have to have my bum out and yeah it would be Just not for you yeah I mean it's quite an awkward environment in a film set anyway I mean I did um, a leg double last year um, a leg double a leg double for a TV series called Knife Man um, coming out this summer they are operating on my leg and for that I had to wear um, a thong and an overall coat and then be covered in blood that was really really awkward because i was in the second unit and so for that it's fairly amateurish compared to the first unit but still you've got about five or six people standing around like makeup artists people handing out sandwiches and you're there in a g-string and covered in blood the thought of then getting my bum out Mm. and having simulated sex with someone i've never met before um was probably pushing that a bit too far (laughs) if people are listening to this and they want to become an extra uh, mm-hmm. What would be your advice to them? Because you've, you've been pretty successful at it. You're retiring now so that you can go off and live your dream now being a fully qualified academic. If if you had your time again, what would be your advice if you were speaking to the younger you about being a good extra? What's the best way to conduct yourself on set? What's the way to make sure you get work and so on? I mean, the first thing is be on time. Uh, secondly, be courteous on set. Um, I mean, it's such an easy job. <laughs> well, you've got to just turn up ready and not be a dick. It, it is just like extras. It's eerie how accurate that is. It is time for our weekly trip down the foxhole, which is being recorded uh, for one time only in a car. So I'm tempted to call this section, Alex, the the car of love. I'm tempted to call the police because it feels like you're kidnapping me. We did just uh, text Alex when she said, where are we meeting up this week? uh, And said that it was in a... Ford Mondeo parked off St Martin's Lane to which she responded is there going to be any dogging yeah I sort of it's feel like it's 6 o'clock in the evening in the West End does like dogging it. ever happen in those circumstances maybe not but have you seen those porn films where they just uh, <laughs> they put someone in the back of a van like the bang I think it's called Bang Brothers I'm not or ashamed something. to say I have yes this yeah. does feel like the, the setup to uh, neither me nor producer Matt are quite the right type though to then take command of the car but there is an empty seat at the moment which the driver could fill no banging is going to go on in this vehicle just banging talk just the banging of the door when I get out in a second <laughs> what have you been up to this week apart from joining us in, in motor vehicles to talk about banging. I have been interviewing a gent called Joel about an event called Wet Sounds. Ugh, the mind boggles as to what this is. Okay, it's some sort of new app that allows people to hook up in showers. No, for once, it's got nothing to do with peens. Really? Yeah, it, for once. For once in my life, I've done something that doesn't involve a sack of dildos. Wet Sounds? Yes. Is it listening to music underwater? It is. It's right. an underwater gig that's held in a swimming pool, and it involves a complicated sound system where you hear different music underwater than you do above the surface, and you can kind of make your own mixes by diving in and out. Well, since your activities this week uh, don't involve perving on any uh, bi-curious women or getting a sack full of digs, uh, let's move on uh, to this week's question of sex. Does it have plenty of dicks? Because I need to make up my weekly quota now. It has one uh, slightly overworked dick. It is from Patrick, who says, I'm an 18-year-old student who recently found a girlfriend 
who lives in the flat above me in halls. Nice move, Patrick. That's highly convenient. Uh, As a consequence, pretty much every night for the last three weeks, we've been having sex multiple times a night. Oh, Patrick, go you. The only problem is that by the second or third time each night, I find myself unable to reach orgasm properly and so have, for the last week or so, resorted to faking my own finish out of sheer exhaustion and frustration. And that's interesting, isn't it? You don't ever really hear about men faking orgasms. It's actually more common than you'd imagine. There was a study done by the University of Kansas that showed that one quarter of men have faked it at some point in their lives. Really? Yeah. I really do enjoy having sex with this girl, he says, and I don't mind the frankly obscene amounts of it we're having. And I don't mind not reaching orgasm every time, but is there a way that would help me finish in a more traditional manner? He's managed to phrase this like a Victorian gentleman. Yeah, it sounds like a shepherd's pie or something. (laughs) Or is it, Alex, that I've simply overworked my bits to the extent where there isn't enough semen to finish the job? She hasn't noticed yet due to condom use, but she says she's switching to the pill soon, so I might be caught out. Just a heads up, Patrick. If your girlfriend is switching to the pill, remember that that prevents pregnancy, but it doesn't protect either of you from diseases. So please nip down your clinic and just check that you're both A-OK in that region before you proceed. I don't want to tell her that we're having too much sex, because I think she'll think it's her fault, and I don't want to hurt her feelings. That is a very common reason for men faking orgasms, that they don't want their lady friend to think that they're not sufficiently turned on by her beauteous, bounteous body, and that's the reason that they're not coming. Which is the same reason that women traditionally fake orgasms, isn't it? Or or they just want it to be be over with. Or it can be because you're tired or you're stressed. Antidepressants can make it really hard for guys to come as well. Oh, really? Yeah, they can make it take a really long time before they ejaculate. So what should he do? Well, for a start, I don't think he's got anything to worry about at all. The time it takes for a gent to recharge his barrel, so to speak, before he, if he's ejaculated once, before he can go again, mm. is called the refractory period. Um, his refractory period sounds like it might be uh, slightly, perhaps slightly longer than another gent his age, but it's absolutely nothing to worry about at all. If you are jizzing freely at least twice, if not three times a night, then you have diddly squat to worry about. You're, you're A-OK. But he wants to come, doesn't he, the third time by the sound of it? The hidden question here might be, is there a technique I can employ to ensure that actually I do ejaculate genuinely the third time? And I suppose the answer to that is just wait a little bit longer between sessions. Just wait a little bit longer. You might find that if you're really going for it, and if these um, if these sessions are happening one after the other, mm. Patrick might be really dehydrated, so you might need to just drink some water, put some liquid back into his system, but that's not going to cause an, uh, an an immediate effect. There's, there's very little that you can do to uh, conjure up cum from nowhere, but there's plenty you can do to make sure his sex life is still satisfying. Mm-hmm. For a start, he might want to look into um, dry orgasms, which can be achieved uh, via practicing tantra. This involves training your body to the point where you can feel the sensations of orgasm without actually any liquid being shot out of your your willy. I think at some point as well he should speak to his girlfriend and make it clear to her that perhaps her expectations are unrealistic yes. even for a chap of his age she might be relieved to have that absolutely. chat as well. I, to be honest, she might be chafed absolutely to I was thinking that too and actually you know how do you know Patrick that she's not faking with you that third time she's really. probably more grated than a bag of cheddar down yeah, there yeah exactly re- the problem is they're having sex so often that there's no diplomatic time to have a conversation about the, the fact that he's faking and she's sore 
because it sounds like they're almost constantly bonking. He can make it diplomatic, or, or either of them can, by um, suggesting that they switch things up a little bit. Penetrative sex isn't the only form of sex. He might suggest to her that he gives her an erotic massage or there's an app that's about to be launched. I think it launches officially on Valentine's Day 2016, but they're asking for testers for it at the moment so where Patrick and his missus could get their hands on it early and, and give a little will. It's called Pillow and it's like a virtual sex trainer. You download it to your phone, you select a 15-minute lesson, and then you play that workshop out loud whilst you and your partner are in the room. And it gives you instructions on what to do to each other. Uh, right, so it's, so it's like, like a virtual coach. Like Tom Tom, but for where to put your fingers. And other parts of yourself. Sure. Yeah, yeah. GPS for your V and your P. Yeah. I wonder who does the voiceover on that. They're, they did have it. It started off with one particular girl, but now I think you can choose the voice as well. <laughs> you can have comedy ones what? like on Tom Tom. You can have Homer Simpson. I think really, though, Patrick, by the time you hear this episode, it's Your probably sorted itself out. off from overuse. <laughs> well, let's be honest. That, that three times a night ratio, you know, he, I know he's only 18. I know they're students. Still, probably after a week, that's gone down to twice a night, has it not? It didn't for me. I was ragingly at it during my teens. Really? I was in, yeah, I had one very long term relationship after another. And in the first one, um, we both lived in the country and, and obviously both lived with our parents. There was nowhere for us to go to have a little fertile. So the minute that this particular chap passed his driving test, the car <laughs> became quite literally the vehicle for sex. So it's, uh, it's appropriate that we're it's in a car. It's appropriate that we're sat in one. But yeah, sort of. It's another app that saved the day. Days. Zip cars probably come along and helped all <laughs> kinds of teenagers get off. I sort of, I do sort of miss escaping from the family home in a Peugeot 306 <laughs> and going wild down a country lane. Yeah. And so ends our weekly trip down the foxhole. Alex, if people have a question of sex for you for a future episode of the show, where do they need to go to fill your box? If they head on over to modernmanwith2ends.co.uk and they click on the feedback form, then they can uh, ask me a question, they can keep themselves anonymous, or they can reveal their name or indeed any other details they care to share. Well, that's almost it for this week's Modern Man. If you are enjoying the show, then remember the three-step process to No More Tangles podcast listening. Subscribe, review, tell your friends. To get the latest episode delivered to your smartphone every week, just head to Modern Man, M-A-N-N, and follow the links there. Uh, You can also buy us a beer there as well, of course. Uh, Leave us a review on iTunes.com slash man. Frankie has done that in New Zealand, thus becoming our official Kiwi ambassador. He says the show is a new staple on his list of commuting time killers. Uh, Thanks, Frankie. Uh, And tell your mates on Twitter about the show by using the hashtag Modern Man. Our theme tune is by Django Django from their debut album, and as dawn breaks over the fields of Hertfordshire, the Modern Man can be heard running to this. It's by Platum. It's called Let Me Hold You, and it's out on the 4th of December on Wolf Tone. I've been Ollie Mann, the producer Matt Hill. We'll see you next Tuesday.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.